Welcome to Leadership Matters, a podcast hosted by me, Steve Parker, a series that brings a fresh perspective to leadership motivation and how to succeed by talking to a diverse range of CEOs, business managers, and world-class talent. We also offer some personal tips to help you in your career. Each episode aims to provide a snapshot into the life and philosophy of some of Taiwan and the world's most successful leaders, and to find out more about why leadership matters. We're very, very lucky to have Peter Kurtz in the studio today. He's a co-founder of GeneWrite, a medical data company. He concurrently serves as Chief Strategy Officer at Quantum International, QIC. Peter has spent his career in the securities industry, more recently retiring retiring from his position as chairman at Citigroup Global Capital Markets in Taiwan, where for 12 years he was head of country research. He's an, he was an analyst in the biotech industry way back in the day. Of his 35 years in financial industry, he has spent almost 30 of them in Taiwan working at Bearing Securities, ING Bearings, Merrill Lynch, and his own startup company, Insight Pacific. He also worked at BMP Paribas prior to joining Citi. Peter and his team have been top-ranked in a number of surveys over the years by Institutional Investor, Euro Money, and Asia Money. He's been on TV, he's been on radio, he's quite famous, and... Uh, generally referred to as Mr. Taiwan often, which is a, it's a lovely accolade. And I'm really, really happy to have you here today. Thanks, Peter. Well, it's great to be here, Steve. It's a, a great format, a great platform you have. Yeah, so we focus on leadership, but leadership in Taiwan here. And you're, I think, a great person to be able to speak to this. You've been here uh, in Taiwan as a foreigner since the days of martial law. So you must have seen some changes in the way companies run over those years from when you first arrived. Taiwan always has been, and to a large extent still is, a, a country of small and medium businesses, and, and really more small than medium. And as a result, uh, the management style in Taiwan has all, always been what I, what I call a, a laoban-based uh, system. It's always about the boss. The boss makes all the key decisions. You know, there's no one person that can be that good that can make all the decisions. Um, but again, that's the way it is, and it's partially cultural. I think you, I'm sure, would agree with that, that, Steve, that, you know, the educational system in Taiwan inculcates this respect for, uh, you know... Authority figures, Authority, right? thank you, that's right. the word I'm looking for. Uh, and, and so, and, and, and to never even question that, never even to raise your own views... Uh, and that's something that as Taiwan is opening up to the world, as its corporations become more world-scale uh, corporations, uh, you're beginning to see them shake loose from. I mean, you came here as a very young man. So I came here right after college to study Chinese, uh, went back, did further studies in the States, uh, worked in uh, the Bank of Boston initially uh, and in Boston, obviously, and then uh, Bear Stearns in New York, and then in London. Probably was away for for about seven years. So that you've had this kind of international experience. You picked up and you've seen how things were run in different places. And then you came back to Taiwan. And what was your first position in Taiwan? Well, I was very lucky. I came back as the boss. Uh, uh, but Which you could do back then. No? <laughs> you could do back then, a 30-year-old, uh, just off-the-boat uh, boss. But... Um, uh, of course, I was the boss of a company of one, but uh, eventually adding on uh, the team going going forward. Um, and it was, you know, the wild, wild east, as we called it back then, because the, I was in the stock market. The stock market was just, well, 
at that point wasn't quite even open to foreign institutional investors directly. Um, but uh, it was a booming market. It was uh, one of the greatest bull markets you know, in history. Certainly uh, Taiwan and Japan together back then were, uh, were booming. In fact, the reason I came back to Taiwan from London was because it was in 1987 when we had a major market crash back then, the biggest single-day crash in history. <clears throat> and yet the Asian markets, uh, you know, had a very minor dip and then continued powering higher. And I figured, you know, this was indeed the, the age of Asia coming through. So you felt it was a change? You felt there was a kind of a shift in the world uh, politics and business at that time, yeah? Uh, yeah, exactly. The the locus of, of the center of, of global economic uh, growth was moving to, to Asia. You know, despite all the... Uh, geopolitical tensions that we've seen. Uh, in fact, even because of the geopolitical tensions we've seen, the Taiwan market has been strong. And, and the reason I say that is because as these tensions increase, there's a lot of sellers in the market for fear of, of you know, uh, of military uh, conflict, uh, which has happened many times. I mean, this is going back, I'm sure you... Uh, we'll remember this back to 1996, uh, and, and yet uh, those have always been the best buying points in the Taiwan stock market. So it certainly has shown tremendous resilience. Every time I talk to someone about a stock market in Taiwan, they go, well, now's a bad time, or now's a bad, you know, and it's always, it always seems to be, the, you know, it always seems to be a bad time, and yet this bad time is always existing, and people still buy. There's, there's information, and then there's what people feel right, and their response to things. How do you sort through that to get to the actual reality of what a market is going to be doing? Well, that's a really interesting question, Steve, and, and the answer ultimately is that uh, uh, we all know that the best time to buy the stock market is when everyone hates it, right? And yet we don't really know when actually it is that everyone hates the market, uh, and so what I have done over the years is to develop tools to try to identify that, and looking primarily at liquidity, looking at money supply relative to market cap, which basically represents the sort of aggregate total uh, investable or, or, or liquid asset portfolio of most investors. And the more they have in cash versus equities, the more they are bearish on the market. And we can look at that ratio over time. And when it gets to extremes one way or the other, it means that it's time to be a contrarian. Uh, but in the interim, uh, you know, there's that common phrase that we say markets climb a wall of worry. And it's only when people are negative about the stock market. It's only when the headlines are negative about the stock market. And, of course, very recently we are facing this recession that is as it's become known as the, the most well-broadcasted uh, recession in history. Uh, the market is uh, in one of its strongest bull market moves in recent memory. So you just have to understand that markets are not necessarily reflecting uh, the, uh, you know, the, the economic uh, uh, information flow. We've talked a lot on this show with, uh, with other leaders about the kind of the rise of social media and how that's influenced a lot of things. It influences the way people think, the way they feel. The availability of information and not necessarily good information, right? It's kind of scuttlebutt, right? It's like somebody feels something, they post it on Twitter. I mean, Elon Musk himself, you know, runs his own Twitter like it's his kind of personal notebook of uh, feelings and stuff. 
those things must influence, you know, uh, in an undue way, the way people respond to a stock market. That's a very good point, and it may be that we are seeing some of the higher volatility in the market, although actually, uh, in, by some measures, volatility is quite low right now. But uh, nonetheless, we do see that uh, there's a lot more awareness of the stock market and the sort of views that are driving it than, than is normally the case, and that's because of social media. And I think, on balance, that's probably a good thing. Um, but uh, it it does create somewhat of an you know an echo chamber where people begin to play on the same views that they heard elsewhere and, and so you know the way I look at social media is uh, never believe any one data point and look at multiple data points and there, there's multiple postings uh, and 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 see if you can you know uh, discern you know the, the truth as best as you can. Um, but uh, you know, to some extent, uh, people see it somewhere else and they post it themselves, and that creates almost a sense that you know it is true, even though uh, in fact uh, uh, it isn't. And I say that because uh, I, but I myself have been caught wrong on this market because I've been listening to a lot of experts uh, uh, who have been espousing a very negative outlook for the market because of the very negative outlook for the economy. Peter, I want to thank you very much for your time today. Is there anything else that you'd like to kind of throw out there as a final parting piece? Uh, well, you know, as a, uh, a retired uh, financier, um, I also want to point out, particularly given this broader aging of populations uh, around the world, is that uh, we also need to be able to take advantage of some of the old folk around uh, who have the experience, they have the contacts, uh, and it's not uh, the best thing to just have them retire uh, altogether. And so I think building a community of the, you know, the energy uh, of, the, of the young and the sort of knowledge, relationships of the old uh, is also something we need to think about building. And many corporations fail to do that, many Societies have failed to do that. And that's another area I'd like to see some some changes made. So, in an area where we're building kind of uh, we're building renewable energy, we're building sustainable resources. We shouldn't be wasting resources that we already have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Peter Kurtz, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Steve. It's great to be here. You can listen to this podcast live on the fourth Monday of every month on ICRT and after that on the ICRT website, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Leadership Matters by Stephen Parker. You can also check out my social media. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. We'll see you next time.